You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Right, welcome into the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have James Zotto. James, welcome on in. Thanks, Chase. Looking forward to it and appreciate you having me on. All right, James. Um, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Tell us, you know, where you grew up and what got you into PT. Yeah, so I'm from Libertyville, Illinois, which is a northern suburb of Chicago. Grew up there through high school. Ended up going to Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, I played football there and then majored in biology, more of like a pre-med track. Um, decided to go to physical therapy school, so I went to the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. Um, and then after that, went up to the University of North Dakota to finish a sports residency. So that's pretty much my uh, last 10 years in a nutshell. Gotcha. You are actually the second University of North Dakota graduate that we've had on the podcast. So that's actually a pretty interesting fact. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. We had uh, Morgan Olson on a couple of episodes ago. So that's pretty cool that we have two UND grads. Um, you know, a smaller school, but, you know, a great, like, athletics program. Um, probably, like, one of the most winning FCS teams in the nation for football. So um, so kind of bringing it back a little bit more, what made you want to get into sports, like, throughout PT school and eventually pursue a residency? Yeah, so probably like most of the people that you've had on, on the podcast, like I grew up playing sports, loved sports, and football was ultimately the sport that I uh, finished with in college. And, you know, like anyone that plays sports, you have your share of injuries and you see your friends and teammates go through injuries. And that's just something that I wanted to improve on and get more knowledge on. Like I love the performance side of things, like the strength conditioning. I love that aspect of sports, but I also wanted to make sure that, okay, so say I'm having an injury, I wanted to understand what was exactly going on and how I can improve myself to make sure that I'm pain-free and able to perform. Um, I never had any like major injuries growing up, but I always thought it was fascinating in terms of how to get people better in terms of feeling better, but also improving their overall performance for their sport. So kind of a mix of PT, strength conditioning. Okay. And now, um, why don't you tell people a little bit about where you're currently working and a little bit about that job now? Yeah. So currently I'm working for the Army as part of their new holistic health and fitness program. So for short, it's called H2F. And what the goal is for H2F is pretty much restructure the framework of Army physical training and how we're looking at the soldiers. So um, we're taking more of like a top-down approach and treating these soldiers more like collegiate or professional athletes. So we're supporting them with a performance staff of physical therapists, strength conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, um, occupational therapists, uh, mental performance specialists, almost like sports psychologists, um, and the full gamut of things. So we're really trying to bring, like the name is like a holistic approach to treating these soldiers to help them improve their performance and get them ready for duty. So what made you want to, you know, step away from sports and athletes and kind of work with, you know, the military or tactical athletes, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting situation. So it wasn't something that I was planning on doing. Like I love working with athletes, love working in sports. Uh, but my current situation, we were looking to move down to North Carolina and I ended up seeing this job on LinkedIn. So for anyone that's looking for jobs, make sure to check LinkedIn. So, uh, 
I saw this program and I, I had um, never heard anything about it. And I just saw that, uh, like I said, they were trying to rechange and reframe and how they look at the soldiers and make it more of a performance type setting. And I wanted to be on the ground floor of it. So I applied and really liked everything that I heard from the program director and what the goal of the program was. So I thought I'd be a good fit for it. Right. And so how long has this program been going on? And um, since you started, what are some things that you've noticed that are different working with tactical athletes versus um, football, basketball, gymnastics, volleyball athletes? Yeah, so I've been working at this position for the past four months, and our current program has been around for pretty much a year. But that really only included one active duty PT and a program director. So we didn't have the full staff. We're still bu building our full staff right now, and most of the other programs around the country are still building their full staff. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've found so far is there's a lot of overuse injuries in the military, as you can expect. So there's a lot of running and rucking during their physical training in the morning and that people just aren't getting the proper recovery and they're not able to handle those loads. So something that's a little bit different than you would think of like a football or hockey athlete, we're getting a lot of like bone stress injuries in the shins and the feet, um, even like stress fractures in the hips. So that's not something that you typically see in more of that uh, court or field sport athlete. And then also, with our population right now, we're seeing a lot of like overall is just like low back pain. Some of it's from lifestyle factors such as like sleep, stress, nutrition, just from like the high demands of their job. Uh, but a lot of it is just like the gear wear. They're constantly wearing heavy gear, 35, 45 pounds, and their day-to-day -day job is pretty physical. So working on trucks, lifting, carrying uh, ammunition and different things like that. So it's pretty physical in terms of their day-to-day -day job, as well as the, the type of training that they have to go through. And I think that, you know, aspect of working with people that have very he heavy manual labor jobs, um, that could be applied to truck drivers or people that work, you know, like um, field laborers and stuff. So what are some strategies for education that you use to work with these people? Because it's their job and, you know, you can't just, you know, kind of wean them down. Sometimes they don't have a choice, but to kind of continue to do these things that are stressing them. So, so what are some strategies that you go about or you use to educate, you know, these types of patients? So one of the, the first things about the overall program is pretty much restructuring their physical training so they're not rucking and running every day. So building out full like strength conditioning programs with proper progressions and training programs to make sure they're not overloading the system. So that's one of the things. Um, but in terms of their day-to-day -day job is just pretty much talking to them about proper mechanics, um, when what types of things they should be doing, what types of things they should be avoiding depending on their specific injury. And then just being able to give them certain techniques to help manage their pain or whatever they're dealing with throughout the day. So there's there's a lot more education that I think that's going on with them than you would think of like a normal student athlete that practices for two to three hours a day and works out and then pretty much gets to relax and sit in class or do homework. Right. Um, so kind of bridging the gap between, you know, the student athlete versus the tactical athlete. Um, what are some things that your past sports experience, whether it be residency or, you know, while working, um, what do you think pre helped prepare you for working with these athletes? Because these tactical athletes, because they're very unique and different, like you said, workload wise compared to um, field athletes. 
Yeah, so I think the first thing with sports residency at uh, UND was being able to work with a collaborative team. So being able to work with athletic trainers, strength coaches, uh, position coaches, and being able to collaborate and make sure everyone's on the same page. So I think that's the same position that we're in right now, being able to talk to different leadership uh, throughout the Army, being able to talk to the different strength coaches that we're working with the athletic trainers and the different PTs. So just having that overall communication with the sports med team or whoever you're working with, I think that's the most important thing with any any time that you're working in a sports medicine or rehab setting. Uh, but also being able to treat more of those acute injuries. So one of the things that's pretty uh, unique about working the tactical athlete or the tactical population is we're seeing these athletes all direct access. So we're seeing them right after they get injured or the next day after they get injured. So making sure that you have a thorough assessment and evaluation process and being able to screen out red flags immediately to make sure that they're appropriate to be in the clinic and appropriate for physical therapy. So having those acute like sideline care hours in sports residency definitely um, prepared me for this. And then also just being able to talk with and speak with athletic trainers and get their their view on things because they're the experts in that acute care and line management so that's very similar to what we're doing now is there any aspects um what you've said you've been working there for about four months is there any aspects of your job um or your experience now that you weren't expecting before you went in any like different surprises or things that kind of caught you off guard yeah so like i was saying earlier um just with being more like field sports-based focus, so football, soccer, and even like basketball or uh, volleyball for court sports, uh, just a different overuse injury. So I've really had to hone in on like the bone stress injury research and being able to do more like gait analysis, running analysis. So that's the biggest, uh, I knew that was going to be something big going in, but that's just something that I've had to dive into a lot more. And then also with this population, really, you really have to think about like the mental side of things just because they're always in that like high stress situation, very sympathetic. So again, making sure that you're talking about sleep, nutrition, stress, and we have a whole team that's dedicated to that. So being able to properly screen that out and refer out to our occupational therapist, our sports psych. So um, picking up on those different factors is huge in this population. Okay. Um, what are some things that like you as a PT, obviously you have other great, you know, professionals on the team that are, you know, specialized in those areas, but what, what are some things that you as a PT can kind of do to like lead them in the right direction? Um, because that's something, especially like working with like, high school athletes, they probably don't get as much good sleep as they need. They probably, their nutrition is probably pretty poor. So it's something that's applicable to, you know, college high school sports. What are some like different cues or strategies that you use to talk about those non quote unquote PT things? Yeah. So it's just pretty much just bringing up some of the basics, right? Like I'm not an expert in sleep or nutrition, but making sure that we're hitting those key points. So like trying to go to sleep at the same time every day making sure that we're not drinking five energy drinks throughout the day. So just simple things like that in terms of sleep. Uh, making sure that they're able to handle stress. So just talk to them about different apps like Headspace or like different breathing techniques that they can use throughout the day. So it's not anything like groundbreaking or new, but just making sure that we bring it up because a lot of these people that we're working with are pretty young. They're more like 
those college athletes are 18 to 25 and they haven't been exposed to different things. Like they don't know that they're supposed to sleep in a cool room or they shouldn't be on their phone until 12 o'clock at night and trying to go to sleep right afterwards. So just bringing up some of the basics and just constantly like reminding them of those simple things that they can start applying is going to be huge for them. And like I said, I'm not the expert in that, but like if, if those cues or if those tactics aren't working, then we can always refer them to proper sleep specialists or whoever we have on board. That's more of the expert in that field. And I think, um, you know, bringing up those little simple strategies is something that's easier said than done, I think, because obviously a lot of our patients could probably benefit from that, you know, whether it's your 65 year old grandma or your 13 year old kid, everyone can benefit from more, you know, beneficial, like true sleep to help them recover, because that's going to be play a huge role. But it's kind of, it's always hard to incorporate that when you're thinking about, you know, am I ruling out all the red flags? Am I giving them the right interventions to help with them? So that's something that, you know, I think I'll try to do better in the future to help incorporate those different principles into, you know, my inter, uh, my care plans for patients in the future. All right. Um, so kind of a, a larger, broader question. Um, as you're working, what's one way that you kind of stay up to date with literature? Um, I know you said you've been trying to focus a lot more on bone stress injury literature, um, but what's one way you kind of stay up to date with stuff that's going to be more pertinent to your patients? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because like right now there's so much information out there, whether it be social media like Instagram or Twitter and just all the different journals. And then like we have access to everything right now. So just being able to be organized with it. So one of the things that I found to be really helpful going through residency and studying for different like specialty boards for the OCS and SCS was just picking a, a body region and just really diving deep into that for several weeks. So say I'm, I'm working with a lot of uh, patients that are dealing with knee issues. So really honing in on everything on the knee for two or three weeks. And then say, I want to look at the foot and ankle, same thing there. So that way you're not just bouncing around. So if you have 10 different patients on your schedule that have all different types of injuries, it's hard to keep track of everything. You're going to lose your mind and you're not going to be able to um, really regain and uh, reinforce that information that you're reading. So just focusing on those certain aspects for one to two weeks and then moving on. And then another thing that I really try to do is I pick like three to four different journals and I just follow those. So I set notifications anytime that there's new articles with those journals. So I focus on like JOSBT, International Journal of Sports PT, Sports Health and BJSM, so British Journal of Sports Medicine. So those are the main four journals that I really follow and I set notifications. So every time, like every month. Um, I scroll through the new articles and see if anything that's interesting to me pops up or if there's something that I'm seeing a lot of in the clinic, I'll start diving into that. So those are those are my two main uh, ways that I keep up with the research and keep on learning. That's a uh, great advice. I've been trying to, you know, take it one piece at a time because, you know, on a day to day, I'll have, you know, anywhere from neck, back, knee, ankle. And it's like, where do I even start of, you know? Cause if I try to do all of those in a day, yeah. I probably won't retain the information and I won't be able to, you know, use any of that research that I just looked up to help any of the patients that I just saw. Um, so I want to kind of yeah. look a little bit broader, um, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about mentorship. Um, and so you said that the program has been active for about a year and you're kind of like on the ground floor to it. Um, so what are some, you know, different challenges about the structure of the sports PT or the sports medicine team? there that you have 
that since you guys are just starting, is there any challenges that you guys have faced since you guys are all kind of doing it on the fly? Yeah, so we've had our PT team fully together for the past four months. I was the last one to be added to the PT team. So for the first month, it was pretty much just getting to know everyone and seeing how everyone treats and how everyone thinks of things and how we can, because we have a physical therapy tech, like a military, like active duty physical therapy tech, and then a PTA that's a civilian. So we just try to make sure that everyone's on the same page and what we're calling specific exercises are what everyone thinks it is. And then we just got 10 different strength coaches and a, a mental performance specialist in the past week. So again, trying to make sure that everyone's on the same page, knowing everyone's background and understanding what they know and what they don't know. Um, because you don't, you never want to have an ego like, oh, I know everything. You also, you want to make sure that you know what people are capable of and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. So everyone can work as a team instead of one person just trying to dominate the whole situation. Right. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's a unique situation. Um, I haven't talked to anybody that's kind of like create, like being on the ground floor of creating a sports medicine team. So it's interesting to see, you know, kind of your experience and of what you guys have gone through in the first beginning or in the beginning phases, I should say. All right. Um, kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to work at H2F, um, kind of what your day, day to day would look like, I guess. Yeah, so we start at 06, so 6 a.m. And depending on the day, we perform sick calls. So that's where soldiers come in if they were hurt during morning training or if they were hurt the day before and they're dealing with something, they come in and we do more like a triage uh, screening type deal. So usually about 30 minutes per patient, seeing four, four to five people at the most. Um, so that's sick call. If we're not doing sick call, we're out um, working with the soldiers during their physical training. So helping them implement the new program, the strength conditioning programs that we're running. And we're also helping teach different classes on how to properly recover or improve mobility or even helping them train for the ACFT, which is the Army Combat Fitness Test, which is new in the past year. So we're either performing sick call helping with training or teaching different classes from 6 to 8 a.m. Uh, we usually get like an hour break where the soldiers get to go home. They, they go shower, they go eat. So from 8 to 9 is pretty much uh, a break, get everything ready for the day, chart review, and making sure that everyone is okay with their schedule. Then we see patients from 9 o'clock to about 11.30 or 12. And that could be two to four evals and two to three follow-ups. So they're pretty quick sessions. Um, and then we get a lunch break from anywhere from 12 to 12.15, 12.30. And then we finish up seeing patients at 2.30 and usually have meetings or different classes um, in the afternoon as well. So a normal, a normal patient load is seven to eight with different forms of either classes, meetings, or training throughout the day. So it's it's not terrible. Like, it, I love this schedule compared to seeing 25 patients a day. So it's definitely a lot better than some uh, private clinics. Right. And um, I think, you know, I, I ask because it's a pretty unique situation. Um, I haven't talked to anybody that has worked with, you know, in a military setting. So it's interesting that you guys kind of do like acute care coverage almost and are working with the um with the soldiers while they're doing training and stuff and you can also do kind of like triage the morning of before they start training um 
what do the so what else do the classes include for those um, that you guys are teaching? Yeah, so so far the main two classes we've taught are ACFT. So what that consists of the Army Combat Fitness Test again, that is a three RM deadlift, uh, reverse med ball toss, um, push up test, a they call it the sprint drag and carry. So you're you're uh, dragging forty five pound or it's actually, I think it's 90 pounds, uh, sled, you're sprinting with kettlebells, and then you're shuffling. Um, there is a hanging uh, knee tuck test, so you're hanging from a bar and pretty much doing a pull-up and bring your knees up to your elbows. There's a, uh, and then there's a two-mile run. So we don't really teach a two-mile run, but just teach different techniques and how to improve their different scores and proper deadlifting technique, how to properly throw a med ball, so things like that. And then recovery is simple things like teaching them how to foam roll, how to properly do like a dynamic warm up, how to stretch afterwards, how to do some like banded mobility. Uh, if you're familiar with Kelly Sturette's banded mobility uh, drills that they can start working on to help improve their own mobility and take care of themselves. Uh, very, I think that's really awesome because, you know, it's kind of cool that you get to break up your day with treating and then you get to go kind of teach classes and then, you know, go back to doing, you know, st almost standard PT with evals and treatment throughout the day. It's cool that you get to see different aspects of, you know, recovery and rehab throughout the day. Yeah, I think that's one of the best parts about it. Just having variability throughout the day. You're not stuck in the clinic doing the same thing every day. So that's where a lot of people get burnt out. So it's definitely mm -hmm. nice to change up the day. Right. Um, so last question I got for you. Um, do you have any advice for someone that wants to be in the position you are, um, whether they're military or civilian? Yeah. So I think, I don't think they're hiring like new grads right away. So I definitely think it's important to have a, a solid background in orthopedic or sports PT and just getting familiar with different aspects. So like I was saying, there's a lot of running that's involved in the military. There's a lot of lower back pain and lower body injuries. So making sure that you're up to date on best treatment and best interventions for low back, lower body injury, and then reach out. Like we have, we have a student right now doing a clinical with us. So if you're a student listening to this, reach out, try to set up your clinical in this, in this setting, or even if you're um, a PT interested in the setting, reach out and try to shadow and see if this is something that you're interested in. Um, because I had no experience with the military, but um, just reaching out and talking to different people, I knew it was something that I was going to like. So get experience with it, go check it out, talk to people involved in the military, whether they're active duty or civilians in this new program. And I think that's the best way to get involved with it to start. All right, James. Um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and taking some time out of your busy day. Um, I appreciate your unique experience and, you know, being willing to share it all. Um, is there anywhere or anything that you would like to plug? I know that you said you have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast? And, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so the podcast is with me and one of my friends from PT school, Josh Fisher. And the name of it is the Athletes First Performance Podcast. And we've had a few guests on, but it's pretty much us 
again, trying to keep up with the research. So we pick different topics and pick three to four different articles that are most pertinent to us. And we try to break down the different articles, uh, provide the most latest research and kind of give our opinions on how we use the research and what we think of it and uh, what things that can be improved with the certain topic or what things that we're trying to work on with that certain topic. So it keeps us accountable to continue to learn and hopefully it uh, gives some clinicians better understanding of some of the research and how we're thinking of things. Perfect. Um, I'll make sure that I include um, the link to that in the description for this podcast and wherever it is on social media. Um, Again, James, thank you so much for coming on. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Thank you to James Otto for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. James gave us a lot of great information about working with tactical athletes in the U.S. Army. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Thank you.